Welcome to Banters on Business. I'm Kayla Stajkovic, and I'm here with my husband, Alex Stajkovic, who is a professor of Management and Human Resources at the Wisconsin School of Business. Alex was invited on Wisconsin Public Radio today to talk about this idea of a four-day work week following the publication of some findings of a pilot study in the UK that tried this out. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what the big idea is around this four-day work week? Yeah, but it's uh, it's an interesting question, and I'm glad we're taking a little more time to uh, to talk about it. And the question has been around for a long time. It's not a new question. Is the single study stirred up the interest as of late in the media, and then of course they went further. But uh, I think as we were preparing for this, we found the paper in 1968. Exactly the same question. Uh, that we're discussing now. But it's coming back because it's interesting, obviously, and it's interesting. I think the underlying premise is what people kind of care about, but they're maybe not even aware of that, which is that it compares business and social goals. Well, those two are in a different, different metrics. So it's very hard to compare them, but that makes conversations about it very interesting, especially if they go a little deeper into the literature. And the other one is consequential, right? So it would, downstream consequences, it can affect people at work and people at home. So even if you don't work, uh, you might be affected by this whole situation. So I think that's why it's still around, but that particular study kind of got the interest back up again. So that study was looking at whether you could take a 40-hour work week, turn it into a 32-hour work week, but pay people the same. So tell us why this would be a good idea. You know, I I like the framing. So let me just put it slightly differently in terms of kind of how we think, how we write papers. So the hypothesis, H1 is exactly that. We're going to squeeze 40 hours into 32 hours. We will maintain the pay for 40 hours. And the performance will either stay the same or get better. So... Put simply, uh, more leisure, less time at work, better performance, or less is more. Everybody wins. So sure, everybody wins. Is it possible? Sure it is. Is it frequent? No. Is it rare? Yes. So in general, as you know, if you were to submit a paper, uh, an idea like this in a paper, the reviewers would come back and say, you better give me some serious theoretical reasoning as to why this should work or should not work. And that's where my key interest is. Like, what is the key X factor here in terms of theories of work motivation as to why this should work and why this should not work? And that's kind of how I like to discuss it. So we simply can provide a balanced conversation and don't set up uh, business managers to fail. Right. And... The way it's sometimes portrayed is all of these great things follow from doing this, uh, lower burnout, higher subjective well-being, improved work-life balance, which could paint this picture that companies should start doing it. But it's not to your point talking about, well, how is that productivity being maintained with less input? Do you have any insight into for the companies in this study or other studies where they found this working? What are some reasons it might be working? What are some underlying assumptions we're making? Honestly, and I'm being sarcastic, it's bad measurement. I think that's how they found it to work. 
Okay. <laughs> well, like most, I review about five studies or so, and three of them or four in U.S. did not work. And this English one, um, you really should be skeptical about it, so maybe we should like get that out of yeah let's let's talk about this english Um, one um so tell us about some of the weaknesses you saw in your read of it well let me start with what the media is doing with it right so if you uh it's very simple if you put on youtube you know four day uh four day work see what you're gonna get and you're gonna get these are all the quotes this is clearly proven if it's so obvious why others aren't doing it all companies loved it involved this was so successful and it was anything but. So let me sound a little bit like a reviewer here. So several issues. The first is um, it was study about four-day week done by an advocacy group called Four-Day Week. So skeptic might ask, what are the odds that they will not find something that they advocate, right? Raises questions about the independence of the researchers. Well, yeah. I mean... The independence of the researchers it was not peer-reviewed. As far as I know, data, is, data are not public. I, I looked. I couldn't find anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, they were not blind to the hypothesis. They knew exactly what to what they wanted to expect, and they're an advocacy group for it. And, yeah, I think that would be a huge red flag uh, in the way in the way we operate in a peer-review world. But there is more to that. That's just not it. So in terms of, let's talk about predictors criteria, or maybe more people know it as independent variable, dependent variable. So here's what they said, that independent variable was, I'll use that language, it was meaningful reduction in work time. And guess what? Meaningful was not defined. Of course not. So different companies then did different things. (laughs) So they said they have different models, and these are quotes, staggered, decentralized, annualized, conditional, and they're all supposedly different, and they all had different hours they were dealing with, and somehow that's that's an independent variable we can count on. So uh, the example I used before, so if that's, it's the same medicine, but we have 20, 30, 40, 50 milligrams or something, and then what? It just kind of worked, but which one worked where, how, and what dosage, we have no idea, okay? So we really don't know what was manipulated here. Right, so even though it's being portrayed as a four-day work week of eight hours a day, that's not what was actually done in the study. Well, no, and it gets worse, frankly. Uh, so studies framed as five days going to four. That's 20%. Well, they started with 4.86 average days. So that wasn't in five. It was a little less than five. They dealt with 4.52 days. So that was not four days. That was not a 20% difference. It's only 7% difference. And yeah, it's a little frankly, easier to get the same results on 7% difference in time than on 20%. So I think that was fundamentally almost completely undermining this this study. They should say, if you work 7% less, you'll get the same results. That's what they found. Right. So basically, instead of leaving at 3 p.m. on Fridays, they left at noon on Fridays. Well, whatever it is, 7% on average. That's what they did. So... 
Another point I think that's worth talking about while we're in this UK study is, is external validity. Or let's let's say they had validated measures. Let's well, say we they should cut, say that they did. No, but hypothetically, <laughs> let's say there was a study um, in another country that found this. Can we take those findings and say, well, we should do them here? Or what are some considerations that might not make that as effective in the U.S.? Well, I think you're getting at the culture and not even organizational culture, maybe, but I think you're saying, are there cultural variables out there or differences that are important that might make this feasible somewhere and not feasible somewhere else? And again, I still think the top two questions are where this is not feasible, what is the X factor in terms of motivation, but yeah, culture's there too, in a sense. If you live in the U.S., you know it. Uh, It's a culture obsessed with work. A lot of your self-worth and financial worth obviously depends on work. Um, Many times you're judged by your work in terms of role congruity or incongruity. So I don't know. I don't know how that would be perceived. If you just say I work less and I lounge out on a Monday and enjoy life, I don't know. I have a feeling it might be names well and there's studies that show even work from home so not reduced hours just different working location people tend to work more hours from home yet they're promoted less than those in the office so there's this perceptual value that we put on being at work and putting in hours um, that perhaps could harm people that take options to work less well i think so i mean chances are Somebody's going to call you a loser. I mean, I'm just kind of being honest here. Uh, but you know, it's, what else is interesting? So if you go to media, uh, that it's available out there publicly, and they ask each other, it's like, hey, you know, you don't work Friday, so how's this working for you? You know what usually what you get back? No, 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 I work even more. What do you think I don't work on Fridays? And it's actually available, you know, go to YouTube. I work even more because I do this and I do that. Not once said, oh, man, this is so cool. I'm just leisurely here chilling or whatever. I'm at the pool. Not, not one would say that. They all kind of get almost irked. Like, what do you mean I don't work? Of course I do. It's just at a different place. I work even more. And that goes into the culture question, I think. Well, and I, and I want to draw a distinction, too, between I think it's important. There's been a, a sort of shift in de-emphasizing like toxic overwork, right? Trying not to beautify this overwork to the point of burned out and depressed. And what we're saying here isn't that we should perceive that as great, but that if you were to reduce from 40 to 32, which arguably many people are working more than 40 hours to yeah. begin with... The, the new thing should be just work 40 hours. <laughs> right, and that probably would reduce a lot of cognitive overload that much of us are experiencing just from the work over those 40 hours a week. Um, your mention of the media has me thinking, too, about how they're portraying the 40-hour work week. Do you want to give us a little history of, of why are we at a 40-hour work week? <coughs> sure, that was really surprising. I mean, if you listen to it, they're portraying it as if that was imposed on us somehow. Like somebody made us work more than we wanted to. It was exactly the opposite. I mean, the work was all the time. It was six days a week. It was 12 hours a day. It was awful. If it wasn't for the religion to get you Saturday or Sunday off, I mean, they probably would have made people work all the time. Kids were in the workforce. 
so when government passed this, I think it was what was 1940, uh, the 40-hour week, it was to help us, not to hurt us. It was to tell the employees, employers, you cannot do this. This is all that you can do. So this whole perception that I was imposed on us to hurt us is just not historically correct. It was, quote-unquote, imposed to help employees, not to hurt them. Yeah, absolutely, that Fair Labor Standards Act. So so we ended up at 40. It seems to be you know working fairly well. Some people work more, some people work less. And when we talk about studies that have looked at reducing that to 32, we mentioned this UK one, but it's worth, as you said earlier, U.S. companies have tried it. A lot of them have reverted back and have found it didn't save as much money or people weren't as engaged. So why don't we talk about first where this definitely wouldn't work and why it might not. Well, you tell me that. You're, you're better than that. You're, you have accounting background, so tell me what a labor economist would say about that. Well, I think we can... I'll, work about work motiv- I'll talk <laughs> about work motivation. You talk about labor economy. Well, I think we can first put aside companies where there's a direct linear relationship between input and output. So think about companies uh, like the U.S. Postal Service, for example. Um, you cannot expect your, your local mailman to drive yeah, around postal <laughs> to dig you know, to deliver the same mail route, Hurt same amount of mail in twenty percent less time. Well, you're gonna incentivize the wrong behavior. You're gonna incentivize speeding, people are gonna get hurt, you're gonna have workers' compensation, it's gonna be horrible, right? Um, you can think about uh, warehousing or very physical work. There's only so many packages an Amazon warehousing employee can pick per hour. You just cannot expect them to increase that amount by 20% because there's some physical limit. So in industries like that, if you reduce hours, you're simply going to reduce productivity and you're going to forego revenue. You reduce productivity, forego revenue. Wages are going to drop. Standard of living is going to go down. Um, so there's going to be a real impact to GDP. Um, when we think about knowledge workers is where it becomes potentially a little more possible uh, if we're making the assumption that people are sitting in the office and they're not being productive for those eight hours a day. What is your take on on that? Where was the other one? I was uh, during the break in this interview that I just had, I was talking to the interviewer and uh, I was like, well, you know, this is kind of possible in a lot of places and stuff. And I said, how would you do your work? Just talk faster? So if you had, I don't know how many interviews today, like 10, what, what would you do? Just talk faster then? And it was like, huh, <laughs> I haven't thought of that one, right? So some just it cannot be done, let's be realistic. Now, I'm sure it, there are some that it could be done, but again, I'm going back to, okay, I study work motivation. That's about what makes people tick at work and what do we do about it? There are these theories of motivation. What should, what should explain why should this work? And if you go through the kind of classics, I can't find the reason as to, except one or two, and I can talk about it. But generally speaking, first, what you're doing by squeezing 40 into 32, you're increasing goal difficulty. And you're not increasing it by little, you're increasing it by 20%. Okay, now I I don't see anywhere in a goal theory that would say increase goal difficulty 20% overnight. And just to be clear, we're increasing the difficulty because we're reducing because the time. time. Well, yeah, right, I right. mean, units per time right. go up. So I don't know of anybody saying that, that that's healthy. Second, it might not be possible. What do you mean? Well, let's go to prior uh, period of performance. 
put in Excel and, and look at where they at, where your employee are, employees are, 90 percentile, 80, whatever. So technically, you would have to have all of them at least at 80th percentile to have 20% buffer, right, for the goal. Hmm. But what if there are, they're already at the 90th percentile? You don't have enough of a buffer, meaning they're pretty productive right now. To twist that argument is to say, again, the skeptic, right, would say, well, are they slacking now? Okay, that might be the case, but there has to be one of the alternative explanations that is being discussed. So it's kind of hard that it's a goal. Then the, the higher goal requires new skills. Do they have those skills? Maybe it requires new training. Do they have it? And if the higher the goal, especially 20%, are they going to have a matching efficacy for that? So nobody's discussing that. And then also cognitive overload actually and load could be one of the variables how this might work because people overloaded. I mean, that's our book, uh, what is it, 2019 book. Yeah, they're overloaded, but okay, maybe if they have a day off, maybe they re replenish some of their working memory and get, get back with more. But would that happen if you squeeze 40 into 32? Because now you're saying, hey, you better watch your time, right? You better not waste a second. You better be on it. Now, what is that going to do to your cognitive overload? But it's going to jazz it up quite a bit. Increase the pressure. Well, increase the pressure. Now, the pressure over those four days might be greater than a four, what three days of a weekend can have you recuperate for because those things are not ordinal necessarily but no there's no single study explaining any of that then yeah cognitive overall might be positive or negative depends where it's at people just assume you know oh, they're like this english studies like they slept more oh really how do you know well it was self-reported okay great right right so i mean to your point we expect or the the hypothesis in the uk study was that people will be less cognitively overloaded they'll be mentally healthier but it could have the opposite effect because it's really putting you under the pressure cooker for those 32 hours you're there because it's maintaining that expectation that's one reason that i think it's fairly obvious this should be discussed but what about the side that is less discussed says who you're going to be less stressed maybe your household is more stressful than your work that's never been examined. Well, it could be, right? Maybe work is the sanctuary, whatever. Come on, let's be honest and, and just look at all the variables here that, that can impact uh, this equation. Now, look at what COVID has done to social isolation. Okay, so you assume you have a happy place to go to. I don't know. From what I'm reading, a lot of people don't have a happy place to go to, and work actually provides that. Right. Work is where they find meaning. They well, find it engaging. They social so environment, exactly. It's not just work. We know. We established that long ago. Sure, work is work there to achieve business goals, but it's also social context where people meet each other, talk to each other, go out, whatever. But nobody looks at that either. It's kind of like, well, that's sort of all assumed. Well, I think another part to be brought up in terms of like what people look for and what they're thinking is when we think about the U.S., I mean, most people generally want to maximize the amount of money they're making. So if employers were to say, you can work 32 hours and I'm going to keep your pay the same, the question then becomes, do people choose leisure for that extra eight hours or do they choose more work to get more pay? Well, I mean, you can find anything you want because the literature is big, the country is big. So if you choose and kind of pick and choose, you can find anything. But if you look at it on average, the literature is pretty clear. Typically, people in the U.S. choose money over leisure, typically. 
And that's not just a cultural stereotype, like Americans work all the time. It's actually in the literature. So we go against that too, or brush that aside too, and say, that's going to change now. Well, I don't know. I don't see much evidence that it's going to change. And also, yeah, see, the other thing is, what about those who like to work? What do we do with those? Uh, Label them toxic overachievers. Toxic overachievers, okay. Well, and another kind of thing that would have to be considered if we were to fundamentally restructure the work day and our approach to it comes into play every other social structure we have, like school systems. If the idea is you want a better work-life balance, more enriched time with your family and with your kids because you want that extra day off, this four-day work week, well, then do we have to switch school to four days? And now we're cutting instructional hours, so then do we extend school? These are conversations you don't really see being had, but do you think they'd be necessary in this grand scheme? Almost certainly, but that makes this complex problem even more complicated because now we're changing social structures, been around for a long time. I mean, I think, I think our listeners know that the whole semester's idea and having a break in the summer is due to agriculture. And the reason we have weekends off is due to Judaism and Christianity that got Saturdays and Sundays off. Otherwise, you'd think employers would really care about us and our cognitive overload or whether we're happy or not. I mean, I'm just being realistic. Maybe today, but certainly not 50, 60, 100 years ago. So you want to change this entire social structure? No, we should think about it. We should discuss it, certainly. But as I said before, we should discuss pros and cons and have some clear conceptual guidance as to why should this work? What are the alternative explanations in terms of why should this not work? Are we using proper measures or not? Are we measuring all the alternative explanations? And then we can have a deeper conversation. But I'm not seeing it yet. I mean, if you want to put in terms of reinforcement theory, the, the simple question is, will that one extra day be more reinforcing than everything you're doing now to make you produce the same amount of whatever it is that you're doing in 20% less time. And I haven't seen anybody say, here is why that's more reinforcing. I mean, they have the broth that they sleep more, whatever, but none of that is measured. We're not quite sure. None of it is connected. So all I'm saying is let's not jump into a social experiment before we have enough evidence. And I'm not sure that we do. I think the story is at best incomplete. Absolutely. And, and when you think about the structure of work and, and where those productive hours tend to come, on average, we see Mondays and Fridays as, as the least productive days because they're when you're gearing yeah, up you and when you're slowing days, right? down. Or, right, but now if you take <laughs> out that Friday, yeah. now we have Mondays and Thursdays. So we've cut those high productivity yeah. days and hours down. So can we really expect more is, is another question. Um, so let's say... A company was interested in trying this. I think I think between us, we're agreeing this this is probably not something that should be mandated by governments or passed Absolutely into law. Absolutely not. But let's say a company thought, okay, I want to try this with my workforce. What is some advice that you would have? Well, as I said before, I mean that I would I certainly if I were to recommend it, I'd say it. Do it on a small scale, your company, uh, see how it works. I don't think it should be mandated by anyone. And if I were uh, the manager or the owner of that company, I'd do several things. One is I talk to my employees and say, here's what I'm trying to do. I would explain clearly what it is, like we're talking now, 
maybe use our podcast. And I would tell him, here's the fundamental hypothesis we're trying to see here, and this is what we're expecting to get. Now, I want to hear you. What do you think about that? Do you think this should work, should not? Because you might have an immediate pushback from your workforce. So then what, what's the point of doing it? They're going to push back. But let's say you got some traction, right? So they maybe, maybe they'll give you some ideas what works for them, right? Because that's the whole idea. What's a positive reinforcement? Boy, anything that increases the you know, frequency of desired behavior. So find what that might be for them. Then measure. Measure with good, reliable academic scales. If your theory is subjective well-being, will improve, measure it. Correlate it to the outcome. See things are trending. I'm not saying uh, do a tight experiment right away, maybe later on if that's possible and feasible, but certainly get some... I'm not going to say theory, but yes, yeah, some theoretic, some logic, some basic model that would guide your thinking and your application. Then measure it, then see where you're at, then reevaluate, see how it worked out. And I know by now everybody's going to say that's too much pain, whatever. Well, but it makes sense to do it carefully before we set up our workforce to fail and make less money. I mean, which could happen, right? Because if you lose revenues, or if you lose the performance, then what? We just pay them less, say, sorry, experiment failed. So I'd rather put a lot of effort on the front end of things. And I would just add to that, you'd also have to think about redesigning the work day because you can't just wave a magic wand and expect the productivity to go up. You'd have to do things like reevaluate the tasks that are done, maybe decrease the amount of paperwork that needs to be filed, reduce the amount of time people spend in meetings. Uh, definitely would need those clear goals, as you mentioned. And that's for me. I agree with everything you said. But for me, it comes down to, and it's because of what I do, what is the work motivation variable that we know of, that we studied for 130 years by now, that should make this happen? And how would that work? What are some other variables? And I'm not seeing that anywhere. And I think that would be probably the major contributions to this question, the way I see it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the invite.